how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're bottom. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Camille Griffin has credits in the camera and electrical department for movies like Layer Cake, Star Wars Episode One, and Jojo Rabbit, before making her first film this year, Silent Night. The new movie stars Kira Knightley, Matthew Good, and Roman Griffin Davis. The plot for this debut reads, Nell, Simon, and their son Art are ready to be welcome friends and family for what promises to be a perfect Christmas gathering, perfect except for one thing, everyone is going to die. Towards the end of this interview, there are some plot spoilers as well. In our chat today, Camille talks about having misery guts, advice from Matthew Vaughn, how to deliver on a challenging tone, making movies outside the system, and when it's time to turn an idea into a spec script. I've been trying forever. Um, I went to film school when I was 19. I joined the camera department. Um, I was loading film magazines when films still existed. That's how old I am. Um, I have a clapperboard from my Star Wars, working on Star Wars in the toilet. There's lots of clapperboards in our lavatory. Um, but I always want to make movies ever since I was maybe nine or 10. I think probably because of Indiana Jones. I was a huge Indiana Jones fan. And I was kind of a miserable kid. So maybe happier when I was not my, in my head. I think that's anyone's reason why they love cinema, right? You just get taken out of reality for a moment and it just felt like a nice, giant, anti-depression, anti-depressive pill. What was it about this? What was it about this story that worked? You've got a really unique, like it's a, an apocalyptic Christmas story. It's, it's a multi of genres. What kind of made this work? What made this uh, your first feature? You mean, how did I get it set up? Or like yeah, like some of the logistics and everything. Okay, well, I, I, I got it. Well, ironically, this happened for me because I, I gave up, right? I gave up on my film industry. <laughs> I gave up on the British funders. And I decided I'd come off, I'd come out home from, you know, watching Roman work with Taika and gone on Jojo Rabbit and gone, wow, that's, that's extraordinary. I didn't consider that comedy could facilitate drama so beautifully. 
And I was like, oh, maybe that will help me because I'm such a misery guts. I don't know if you use that expression in America, but like all my material is so, you know, macabre. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe if I make it funny, someone will want to watch um, or make my movie. So I, what I didn't do, I promised myself after many, many attempts to not ask the same gatekeepers for funding. Mm-hmm. So I went to Matthew Vaughan for advice because he started off with Lockstock and obviously he's an entrepreneur and he was a producer as much as he was a filmmaker. And I was like, I said to my husband, maybe Matthew can um, give me some advice, you know, where to get some money. And I knew he knew a lot of rich people. <laughs> and uh, and uh, two of his colleagues, Will and Carlos, read the script and we were passionate about it. So Matthew mm-hmm. phoned me one day and said, oh, you want to make a movie? I was like, yeah, I read it. He was like, okay, well, let's make it. And mm-hmm. I was like, really can't be that easy it's been so hard for so many years but it basically of course it wasn't easy because there's a lot comes with that but Matthew Vaughan changed my film life Hmm. really was it was it difficult to display the tone in the script it seems like something you almost have to see to understand some of the wittiness of it well, it's very interesting you asked me that question because thank you very, very much. Because I think the problem with the, one of the reasons I couldn't get a film made was because the tone or the material sometimes kind of psychologically or tonally challenging. And the British funders were like, how do we know you can achieve that? And amazingly, Matthew never asked me that. Mm-hmm. And Trudy never asked me that. And, I, and, I, and it was really interesting because I never doubted I could achieve that. For me, it was just like, you write, it's like writing character or location. It's like, okay, that's just what the tone is going to be. And I knew I could do it. I had no doubt. But I'd spent years hearing, can you achieve that tone? Can you do it? Can you? So the fact that they never said, hey, can you actually achieve it? It didn't occur to them to ask They just assumed I could, like I knew I could. Hmm. But in the well, edit, things were, yeah, sorry. What were some of the conversations like with the actors to like just set the tone? And like, how did you kind of approach this differently as opposed to work on someone else's film? I think fundamentally, it wasn't so much like, I think when we brought people in, it wasn't so much like, because I knew it was my job to deliver the tone. And I knew that, because if you knew me better, I mean, I'm not (laughs) suggesting you have to get to know me better, but if you knew me better, you'd be like, well, that's just Cammy, like that's just who she is. Mm. And weirdly enough, I'm not kind of credit myself with Taika, but I think Taika has that, you know, he's a very funny, charming guy, but he cracks kind of dark. He Mm. lives in a dark, humorous place. And I think, I've always occupied that tone as a human being. Um, so it wasn't like when we spoke to actors, we're like, can you deliver this tone? It was more like, do they get the material? Hmm. Do they understand that we're, we're, we're criticizing um, our class system? Do they understand that I'm criticizing uh, the upper classes? And are they prepared to say dreadful, horrible things? Are they prepared to do dreadful, horrible things? Are they going to do it with charm, with love, with effect? So it was really more like, are they up for the... I mean, you must have friends who have different political opinions to you. It was a bit like, it wasn't like, what are, but I just knew that um, we call them conservatives in the UK, you call them Republicans. But I was like, I knew that I couldn't have a Republican actual mind. It wasn't literally like, are you Republican? Okay, you can be in the movie or not. Like, it just was like, are you on the same, do you have the same social moral values or creative values as the material? So it was more that. What was the original idea for this story? Well, the original idea... And I don't mean this um, with any arrogance because clearly I didn't get these film made, but I don't find it hard to come up with ideas. doesn't mean they're good. <laughs> but the idea, the original idea was like, I need to make a movie that I can make independently of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did make it independent of the system because I found these two amazing producers, but I literally thought I was going to be making the film for peanuts. Instead, we made the film for like chips, you know, mm-hmm. that's the difference. Um, <laughs> but I knew it had to be funny. And I don't know how, 
because so many other projects I've like, I've sat down, I've considered, I've done 10 drafts and it's taken me three years to develop. The first draft just came out. And as I was writing, I was going, oh my God, this, I didn't even know if I could be funny. I think the film's funny. Um, but I was like, oh, I think this is funny. And I'd sit the family down at dinner. I'd, I'd read them scenes and, and they'd be like, oh, no, another one. Um, I mean, Roman said that in all his press, he's like, I would sit there and go, okay, what about this scene, guys? And they'd go, that's not good. That's, they were like, they're very, um, they're very forthcoming with their openness and their criticism. But for me, I've always wanted to kind of uh, display and, 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 and maybe examine um, middle-class values and the privileged values and what does it mean to be in a place of privilege, but to make choices where you don't really care about anyone else or... And also I've always had uh, struggles with my relationship with parenting, you know, what does it mean to be a good parent? You know, and, and uh, because like I said, we're kind of a messy, psychologically messy family, but there's so much love there. Um, it took me, you know, years to go, well, it's okay to mess up as a parent, everyone does, but what's not okay is to pretend you haven't, you know? Mm -hmm. So what I knew is I wanted to have a conversation about something that mattered to me. I knew it had to be funny. And I knew that it couldn't cost too much. Was it always meant to be Christmas? Did that, did that class system, I've, I've seen other shows and movies where Christmas really brings out some of the class system. Was it always there? Or was it ever an idea for New Year's or a different holiday, anything like that? Well, the, the good thing about, well, really it's good you asked about the New Year because I mean, weirdly it's like, obviously I, in this project, I never, not at any point, I think maybe until we were filming or we were um, editing, did I go, should I do that? It just came out. Mm -hmm. It was like a giant, uh, not very smelly vomit, you know? Um, and, but I knew it had to be at a part in, in the year. Like if you go, when's the apocalypse? Well, you could go, it's on the middle of the summer, but is that interesting? Everyone's on the beach. Maybe that's where you set jewels, right? You don't set jewels at winter. You set jewels in the summer when everyone's on the beach. So, mm -hmm. I knew it had to be New Year or Christmas. And I, and I, what I love about Christmas is it's the time of year where you feel most sentimental and most emotional and, and, and most connected to your maybe more empathetic self, where you go, oh my God, I've, I've got to be really nice to my parents and all. And then, what about my friend I haven't seen for a year because he never pays me back? And, you know, what about this person I fell out? You know, you reach out. Well, I think, I think people, we've been programmed to, to, to be better our better selves in a fest in a festive season and maybe in america it's thanksgiving but in england it's like christmas is a time where you take care of people so it made sense to put everyone in this sentimental charming lovely you know cozy cozy environment and then put them through hell so when you were pitching this you had already written the script is that right so you already had like a spec script fully written do you have any advice for people that are debating whether they should write this or they're trying to sell an idea like what other benefit yeah. do they have to go ahead and write it well um funny enough very luckily i've just joined the wga and we had a mentor session last night and we had the same conversation and one of the writers said to our mentor like would you do that and my answer was um sometimes you just have to write something and if you know you have to write it don't ask anyone what they think just just write it and if, you, and if you don't have to write something because you're on the fence, it's like, mm, what do I think? We were saying that it wasn't, maybe don't, don't start with a treatment, but start with a pitch, uh, a five-page uh, synopsis stroke pitch document where you can put images in and references in and, 
and maybe a, a song is inspired and you put a picture of a song or a photo, you know, maybe uh, there's a, a, the film references, but to create like a four or five page pitch document, mm -hmm. which enables you to pitch the idea, whether it's to studios or friends or colleagues or people with money, whatever. And I think in that pitching, you can really explore how much you care about having to write it and how much people care if you're going to write it. Um, but if you're not sure, that's what I would suggest to do. Is everything, yeah, spec. yeah, go for it. Is everything in your scripts, like since you know you're, you want to be the director, is everything in the script um, as you present it? Do you have like a separate copy that's got, you know, your own personal notes and lookbook? What are some of those things look like when you're coming in as a writer director? Well, the, the script I wrote is the film we shot. The script you, the film you see is not the script I wrote. Um, because the pandemic <laughs> kicked in. Um, we didn't have that opening sequence, for instance, with the cars. Matthew Vaughan had written this Christmas song and he, um, he then felt it was a good idea to weave it into the movie and, well, stick it in the front of the movie, I'll be quite honest. And I was like, okay, but if you let me play with it, and he gracefully did let me take the piss out of the song uh, throughout the, the, um, the movie. So that was something. Lily Rose had a different death and, 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 and uh, I had a whole, I'd shot a whole other ending for her and a whole other story, which we then went back and did something different because of, which was a, a, a conversation my producers thought was the best thing to do. Trudy Styler, one of our producers, we were never supposed to go to grandma's house in the middle of the movie. That was all new. And uh, we shot a whole scene where we were going to go and find an actor to be on the computer, but we were never going to leave the house. Uh, there's an, Eight, second, eight minute sequence in the middle of the movie I lost, which broke my heart. I mean, I'm telling you everything I should be telling you. And, um, and we hadn't killed Kirby in the original shoot. We still needed to, which was a great source of stress. And, 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 and how, do you, how do you kill Alex's character sensitively? I mean, how do you kill anyone nicely? It's, mm -hmm. So that was a, another source of, um, you know, I had my film, my producers were amazing, amazing filmmakers and very clever people. So we didn't always agree, but we had endless debates about things. So that was another source of like, what are we going to do? You know, because mm -hmm. we didn't, we didn't, we had to wrap on time. So I don't know if that's, maybe you don't need to share all that, but I'm saying that there are, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Were you generally prepared for the unknown, having worked on films that, all of these things could happen. I've talked to some directors where they lose some key scene. It's not a key plot scene, but it's a key scene to them. Did you feel that way about some of these? Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Painful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I'd worked in the film industry for years and I'd made many short films. And like I said, I've been trying for years. So I don't feel like the experience of making a film was at all surprising to me. Mm -hmm. But the level of pain, I think, because you, it's like, you know, it's like a child. It's like your child, and you can, you nurture, and you caress, and you, and 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 I think what I find frustrating is the average person. You know, I have to wear the criticisms. That's I think it's a privilege to be a filmmaker, and I think the downside is you have to be criticized for lots of things that maybe aren't always your decision. You can't go online and go, "Well, that wasn't my fault. I didn't do that. Uh, that is my fault. I should have. I should have known differently." But the point is. I assumed because it was a low budget film that it would just be like, maybe it was naive that they were gonna go, Cammy, just do what you want. And they weren't. And I was a bit like, oh, you know, but I also, I won because I had, because they brought a level of ambition and 
no one else would have looked at that movie. No one else would have made that film, you know? So uh, there's wins and losses and everything. But yeah, I just think, I just think really choose your battles. I think that's the advice. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.